Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Everybody, Chad Madden here with Breakthrough. And one of the largest problems that we've had in private practice PT uh, over the last 5, 10 years has been declining physician referrals. Uh, this is not a, a new problem. It's in the research. And what I want to do in this recording is walk through with you how, as a private practice owner, you can make sense of it all. Are physician referrals really declining? Are you alone? Is this something unique in your area? And what you can do to mitigate this uh, long-term, continue to grow, continue on your 20-mile march, and uh, keep growing your practice. So you know, it's always helpful to understand, you know, exactly the goals for your practice. I just alluded to one of them. Uh, anytime I'm talking with an owner, um, I just share what our goals are, and they're roughly 20% growth per year. Now, if the life flow of our business is new patients, and we're relying primarily on physician referrals, uh, and those referrals are going away to some degree, it can be difficult to grow. So, uh, yeah, the first thing that you want to think about is within the context of practice growth, you know, how do physician referrals play in? So the other thing to consider is, you know, in, in the last 12 months, um, and you can even use uh, pre-pandemic numbers, you know, what percentage of your new patient flow comes from physician referrals or you know, nurse practitioners, PA, uh, meaning physician uh, assistance in your area, what percentage comes from your past patient list? So that is past patients returning for additional care or word of mouth referrals from your patient list. And then finally, uh, what percentage comes from uh, direct to consumer? So that would be what you and I think of as direct access. And those three numbers should add up to 100%. So let's say uh, a hypothetical practice is at 80% physician referrals and maybe 10% their past patient list reactivations and word of mouth and 10% coming from direct access, right? So the follow-up question of that would be, where do you want, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and have the practice of your dreams, what should that mix look like? And for many owners, they want it to be more balanced, especially if they recognize that physician referrals are going away. And again, this is in the research. So when we, we talk about that, um, usually what'll come up is my story and I'll share that quickly with you here. So in, when I opened up in 2003, first went into private practice, I had a business plan and that business plan relied on five uh, new patients per week. And uh, at the time, because we didn't have direct access yet, and because it wasn't really common for uh, physical therapists to market direct to the consumer, um, or at least it wasn't common to do it well, we focused 100% of our marketing efforts on physicians. And yes, I did the old, you know, uh, stop, you know, pop in with uh, coffee and donuts and other white powder, you know, which is essentially sugar and flour, and then also uh, provided. Uh, luncheons to their staff. That's what I was exposed to. It was the only thing I knew, and I was frankly horrible at it, but I did it a lot. Uh, in, in fact, in the first four months of opening up, I think I did 37 uh, luncheons plus other drop-offs, 
And over time, I got good at it. And I eventually figured out how to uh, market our services to uh, physicians, how to have conversations with them about results, um, not about uh, you know any other financial arrangement or anything. I, I just avoided that always. I wanted to be known for the quality of care that we d- were delivering, like many of the listeners here. And that's I've, I focused on that. So I focused on results and showing them how uh, the, the, how our physical therapy services were getting results for patients for things they commonly referred for. That included video and some other things, but nonetheless, we got good at it. As a matter of fact, in 2008, five years after opening, uh, we hit an all-time high for physician referrals in a month, and that was 154 physician referrals in a month. We were very wide. We had over 200 referral sources in any given year, and um, no physician was more than uh, 4% of our total referrals. So we were very wide. We weren't relying on any physician that month that we hit 154, I think the highest was uh, the highest number of referrals from a single physician was six. So uh, it, it, again, we had a good reputation. But what started to happen at that time, where I'm at here in central Pennsylvania, is the three local hospital systems first. Uh, they started buying family doctors, and uh, you know there were if you were privy to this, um, large hospital systems had conferences where they were learning how to bring in all of their ancillary services, uh, imaging, physical therapy, et cetera, and then buying, uh, essentially buying referrals, right? Learning how to employ uh, physicians, buying family practices, uh, learning how to employ physicians who now work for the hospital system to refer to those ancillary services. There was essentially a huge business created out of it, right? So those three hospital systems started buying our the hundreds of referral sources. And within a few years, uh, I think within six years, they eclipsed uh, owning 90% of the family physicians in our area. Very rare that uh, we, we see an independent physician now. So those uh, physician referrals dramatically started to decline. And we, we hit that high of 154. And I believe uh, last in the last full year pre-pandemic in 2019, for the same office, we averaged 17 physician referrals per month. So we went from 154 down to 17. On top of that, each of the large hospitals uh, not only has their own PT, uh, usually managed by one of the larger corporate PTs in our area, but the uh, almost every orthopedic or specialty group in our area also owns their own POPs practice which was another trend from the early 2000s. So we really started to um, run into this issue with uh, you know, referrals uh, because our referral sources were either working for one of the three hospital systems or they decided to uh, open their own PT practice. So physician referrals are declining. What, what could we possibly do? And, and in the remainder, um, of our time together here, I wanna walk you through exactly how I thought through that process and now how hundreds of other owners started to uh, go through that, that this same problem solving and um, same solutions oriented, you know, get us back on track for growth. The, the real thing to think about is, you know, what happens if we don't solve this? And uh, in 2014 or 2015, I was at a, an association meeting and uh, 
uh, Rosen Shingle Creek in Orlando, Florida, I think is where it was at. And uh, during that, I had the opportunity to talk with more than 100 other private practice owners. And the conversation would typically go something like this. How are you doing in your private practice? And remember, I'm an association member. And now I'm there as a vendor as well with Breakthrough, right? So I'm a private practice owner who also happens to be a vendor. So kind of a unique situation. But I'd be talking with owners and, you know, how's your practice doing? And they would say, well, you know, it's going really well. And I would say, okay, great. Um, You know, really cool. You know, what's your growth look like year over year? And they would be sharing and, uh, you know, maybe bragging a little to a degree, which I think we should do. We should feel good about the growth of our businesses and, uh, you know, sharing what was working, what wasn't working. And then I would ask this question in the last 12 months, what percentage of your, uh, new patients are coming from physician referrals. Because prior to that, I had shared my story about the hospital systems moving in, the POPs practices, et cetera. And they would say something along the lines of, well, you know, uh, that hasn't really happened in my area yet. It might happen, but not today. Well, in here in 2021, that likely has happened in your area, right? The hospital system probably has, uh, started buying physician practices. If they didn't already do that years ago, you probably have POPs competition that wasn't there a few years ago. And maybe you've even had large corporate competitors uh, move into your area now, right? Most of us have gone through increased competition within the last five to 10 years. So anyhow, after that, I would ask, you know, okay, this happened to me and we survived. We're actually growing now 20 plus percent year over year again. Um, I can share with you how I, I did that, but can I ask you a question? They would say yes. And then I would say, okay, so in the last 12 months, what percentage of your, your new patients were physician or other professional clinician uh, re- referrals? And you know, they would kind of stop for a second. It was the first time they were ever really aware of the problem and how uh, susceptible or unstable their business was potentially. And the average answer was 80% some were 90% or more. And, you know, quickly what they would figure out or they would have an acute awareness of is, wow, I have no idea how to market to my past patient list. And I have no idea how to market to the general public, uh, you know, direct access. So they, they quickly realized, you know, there might be something that they could prepare for they wanted to start to diversify their new patient sources. Now, this isn't to say <coughs> that referrals, they didn't look at referrals as bad, right? They didn't want their referrals to go away. But in the case that they did, they would, they would be stable because now they were getting new patients from those other two avenues. Three places we can get new patients from in private practice. Number one is physician uh, referrals. Number two is our patient list. Number three is the general public or direct access, direct to consumer, whatever uh, verbiage you're using there. So again, this is not, uh, it, it's not something that we're making up declining physician referrals. It, it's, it's not just in our heads, it's actually in the research as, as well. In uh, 2018, in the Journal of General Internal Medicine, there was an article uh, that, yeah, it's uh, April 5th, 2018, Journal of General Internal Medicine, um, there was a report, you know, primary care physician referral to physical therapy for musculoskeletal conditions from 2003 to 2014 uh, was the title of that. 
And what they found was a 53.6% decrease in physician referral um, from the, these family physicians over to uh, physical therapy during that same time. Now, oddly, when we look at, and, and the, the journal article does a really nice job of uh, showing the trends, uh, the year-to-year -year trends, and I believe they used uh, CMS, the, the Medicare uh, database for this. When we look at the same trends for uh, specialty services, uh, which basically are, you know, referring to another specialist, not a physical therapist. So that would be like referring to an orthopod or a neurologist, et cetera. Um, it, it almost is a directly, a directly proportionate increase when looking over the same time. So physician referrals to PT declined at the same rate or very similar rate that physician referral to specialist increased. Now, why would that possibly be? Right. It, did physical therapy become ineffective during that time? Obviously not. Uh, I, would, I would say we're, at least in our practice and the other colleagues that I've talked with, we're more effective in terms of outcomes today than we were um, 10, 20 years ago. Right? That, that makes sense. We're getting better at producing outcomes today. Um, did something else change in the marketplace? Did physical therapy get more expensive? No. You know, our re reimbursements are flat or have flatlined or actually declined um, in, in many instances. So what's going on? Well, oddly, this, uh, there was another article that I ran into um, and it's actually a video uh, by Michael Gerger, who's a physician. Uh, you, you're familiar with him. He wrote How Not to Die. Um, also the follow-up to that, How Not to Die at New York Times bestseller. Um, this is the guy that really gets into the research about we can eliminate the majority of uh, chronic diseases in the U.S. that are uh, diet-based, like the leading killers of um, heart disease, diabetes, etc. And in one of his recent videos where he, he does a deep dive into cardiovascular care, and he's talking specifically about uh, stints in cardiology and how uh, the research has render that stints are not effective at all. And they're very expensive. They're $40,000 plus per procedure, yet cardiologists continue um, to do this. And again, Michael Gerger really, really goes into this. And you know, behind it all, he's saying, you, know, you, you just need to follow the money. And he lists uh, eight different articles that go into uh, research and basically say, yeah, you know, physicians have either financial incentives, like keeping their job in many cases, um, to, to influence, they're financially influenced to, uh, you know, prescribe various treatment choices. This was within heart attack. It, it also follows through in um, uh, C-sections, in uh, delivery, and he talks about um, something else. Oh, the, the, uh, pharmaceutical interventions for breast cancer, right? And th these are in uh, peer-reviewed published journals respected by the physician community. They're not in some obscure magazine or, you know, this wasn't from, uh, you know, Huffington Post or something like that. Th these are, you know, it's uh, uh, the British Medical Journal, Journal of Healthcare uh, 
finance, economics, um, et, et, et cetera. So uh, Lancet was another one. So that research is there, is, is out there. And then we're wondering, we're kind of caught wondering, well, you know, in PT, this isn't right. My referrals are going away. This is unfair, right? So we kind of are at a crossroads of where we can complain about that, or we can actually do something about that. And um, I really, you know, as a small private practice owner, likely uh, very similar to the situation you're in, I couldn't really wait for, uh, you know, uh, legal reform or healthcare reform uh, to save my practice, I had to do something else. So what we did first is we looked at those three pathways, physician referrals, patient list, direct to public. And we said, okay, so physician referrals are decreasing, declining. There's not a lot we can do to save that because there's this, you know, if a physician who is a friend of mine and we've known each other for 20 years, if they're now employed by the hospital system, and they are penalized if they refer too many people to Madden Physical Therapy, real life story, um, you know, what can we possibly do here? Well, we have to get better at marketing to those latter two categories, our patient list and uh, going direct to the consumer. And the, the other thing to think about is with your competitors in your, your area, if you ask them that same question around uh, you know, in the last 12 months, so let's say you went to the local POPs practice, right? And maybe you even know the therapist there and you say, okay, in the last 12 months, what percentage of your new patients came from physician referral? They're going to say 100%, right? They're, they're amazing at it because there's a financial link between the doctor that owns the practice and, and the actual PT practice. Of course, they're great at that, right? Um, so yeah, it, it, you can assume that the majority of their new patients coming through are physician referral. The latter two, they're probably horrible at, right? Why, why would we waste any marketing dollars to our past patient list when the doctor next door or upstairs can just refer us more patients, right? Same thing direct to the consumer. Why would we waste money going direct to the consumer when the doctor is just gonna send us more patients, right? So just think through that. What that screams should scream to you and I as private practice owners is opportunity, right? Because if our competitors aren't gonna be good at that, we can step in and be good at that and, and own the marketplace. It's that whole, uh, that, that blue ocean strategy concept that we can use over and over again, right? Why can, if we're gonna compete with somebody, why would we play their game with their rules, right? Why not reinvent the rules and be better at another game? Just something to think about. And then, uh, yeah, so th the big idea there is learn how to go direct to the consumer. Now, how do we do that? Um, I'm going to give you three general stories of, uh, or general principles, first principles that you should really be focused on. Uh, but I'll try to expand on these in other episodes. The first one, and you likely heard me talk about this, is just understanding those three buckets. You know, it, it, we're, we have to be forced to focus on the latter two. And we have to get good at those. We also have to realize that marketing to physicians and professional clinicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, is a significantly different game than going uh, direct to the consumer. For one, there's a different language, right? We don't talk with physicians the same way that we talk with, um, you know, a, a classroom full of fifth graders, or uh, you know, if we if we're invited to, you know, an occupational uh, medicine or occupational health situation where we're talking with 
uh, 100 people who work in a factory, it, it's not gonna be the same language, right? That we talked with the physiatrist or the orthopod down the street. They're very, very different. So it's a different game, different roles, different target market. We, we have to treat it uh, differently and realize that the key to mastery is, is getting really good at discerning the difference between the two and figuring out what's working. So that's number one is understanding our three buckets. We wanna focus on the latter two. The second big principle is market message media match. You've heard me talk about this, uh, Dan Kennedy concept uh, from uh, I believe the late 80s and early 90s. It was in his magnetic marketing course that uh, he used to sell, I believe he still sells. But essentially market message media matches this. When you and I think of marketing or the majority of private practice owners think of marketing, um, an easy way to think about that is positioning. Most of us think about buying media, right? If we buy media, then we're marketing, right? If we write a check to the local uh, newspaper, radio, TV, or uh, get out our credit card to buy Facebook ads, we're marketing, right? Well, unfortunately, the, most of us as professionals, we only consider the media that we choose. And we it, it feels like a dice roll, you know, are we... Are we choosing the right media? Well, if, if you go to Dan's market message media match triangle, you understand that all three of those things have to take place. And the place that I would start is choosing your market. For us, we market directly to as our primary target market, 45 to 64 year old family oriented females. So they're mothers and wives. Um, they're making appointments not only for themselves and they tend to be very highly social, they're also, uh, so they're telling their, their uh, friends about us. They're making appointments for their husbands uh, or their, their spouses, significant others. They're also making appointments for their children and sometimes even their parents, right? So that, that's our number one target market is that target market on TikTok. No, not in central Pennsylvania, right? She's not on TikTok. Is she reading the local uh, weekly coupon clipper? Absolutely. So we're there. Is she watching, you know, a, a select television station? Absolutely. So we're going to be there. Is she, does she listen to a specific radio station? Yes. And we're there. Is she using Facebook? Research shows that she's on Facebook a lot, right? Uh, 30 to 60 minutes a day, depending on the area in the country. And she's looking at pictures of her kids and grandchildren. So we're uh, in her, um, her, her family and friends. So uh, we're there as well, right? So what, the first thing we do is we pick the market. Then we look at the media that that market is consuming. In this case, I just gave you four examples with uh, the weekly coupon clipper, radio, television, and also um, Facebook. So we're in, we're in all of those places. And then finally, the, the third leg to Dan's market message media match triangle is the messaging. And that messaging is key because there is a conversation already happening. And you can think of this as like the, you know, the sub, we, we all have that inner dialogue, right? We're all talking uh, to ourselves to some degree um, and having a conversation going on in our own, in our own minds, in our own heads. What you're looking for is in your marketing that you're putting on Facebook that you're putting in that local newspaper is you want to have a message in there that 
is in alignment with the conversation already going on in her head. Now, the right way to do that is again, a little bit beyond the, uh, there's no way that I can do this (laughs) on a a single 20 minute to 30 minute uh, podcast episode, but realize that that can be done. And um, you can do it. I've seen other clinicians do it. Uh, We've done it here for years. And you can very easily tap into that messaging, not like you're talking to another PT, but like you're talking to a 53-year-old um, woman who lives next door and you know your children are growing up together. Maybe she has grandkids, et cetera. Th- that's who you want to talk with in your, uh, when you're creating your messaging, right? So that's, in, in essence, what we want to think through for that market message media match triangle. Now, when we're talking about that, that is really just the first step. That is the attraction step, right? So if we think about if we're in an area, let's say in a 10-mile radius around our clinic, um, and those people would willingly drive to our location, we have 100,000 people. Now, we've picked a specialty. So let's say our specialty is rotator cuff and shoulder pain. What percentage of uh, those people do you think have had rotator cuff and shoulder pain in the last 30 days? Um, the research says it's pretty high. I'm going to go super conservative and let's say it's 5%. So 5,000 people, there are 100,000 people in our area, 5% of that is 5,000 people have suffered with some sort of shoulder pain in the last 30 days. Are they all appropriate for physical therapy? Absolutely not. And, but we want to be able to get them to raise their hand and, and, you know, start to sort through who we can work with and PT, who we can help and who needs a referral somewhere else. So, and we can do that with advertising. What I just shared with you in step number two there, that market message media match, that's how to get those people to raise their hand. The next thing that has to happen, and this is very much overlooked. Um, I, I see this all the time when I look at uh, marketing companies and they're talking about you know, how great they are with advertising or something like that. Or I just, um, a, a friend just sent me something and it was uh, somebody in the physical therapy space and they were talking about their advertising. I'm sorry. They were in the healthcare space. They were not uh, in PT, but they in the, in that advertising it was, you know, ad, great advertising trumps all, um, and it can solve all your problems. I will tell you that is not true. I've invested a lot in advertising. I've worked with some of the best advertisers in the world, and great advertising gets the person to raise their hand and say, "Yes, I'm interested in you know learning more about how you can help me with my shoulder pain." The next step in there is that conversion process. And that is a human to human interaction. So one human has shoulder pain, the other one, and could potentially use your service. The other one works for you in your practice, right? Maybe they're at their, your front desk. Maybe they're a full-time marketer. Um, maybe it's one of your physical therapists, or maybe it's you, but there has to be a human to human conversation uh, to eventually convert them. We think in my private practice of conversion on three levels, uh, Kathy Borkowski, and I just did a training on this uh, around conversion, but th- those three levels are, are this. Number one, uh, and this is for if you're running workshops, if you're not wor- running workshops, it's, it's two levels of conversion. Number one is first contact with the practice, right? So let's say the person uh, reads uh, your ad in the newspaper, they call your practice. There's going to be a conversation with somebody who works for you, who works in your practice, with that potential patient. 
it is very, very different from what you and I experienced um, and what we went through. And the competencies are different from, you know, taking a faxed physician referral off of the fax machine and calling the patient. That, that's not a high level of competency. However, talk, having a human-to-human conversation for your receptionist who is now tasked with something different to talk with a potential patient about her shoulder pain and maybe even schedule that person for an appointment before your workshop or your event ever happens, again, that is significantly more difficult. It is a higher competency, a higher skill set, and you want to pay attention to that. You want to be able to have some metrics around that. You want to, uh, we record ours, our uh, calls, figure out a way to do that legally and ethically, um, you know, for training purposes, and we'll listen to them, especially if we have uh, a receptionist or marketer that has um, either amazing, so they're outliers, so they have amazing metrics around their calls or they have room for improvement, right? So you, you wanna put some controls in there and start focusing on that if you're really thinking about growing and uh, you need a long-term growth strategy. The second level of conversion happens if you're doing a workshop, actually in the workshop, right? It's the presenter. They have to be engaging for the first 50 minutes and they have to be able to close well at the end over to an appointment. And the third one, well, at, uh, at least for those people who want to have an appointment, right? Um, and one help, one physical therapy help and are appropriate for physical therapy. And the third level of conversion is uh, within the eval room, right? So whether it's a free screen discovery visit or initial eval, I don't care what you call it, uh, th there has to be uh, a process for that therapist in the room to get buy-in from that patient for a plan of care. If it's done well, that number should be high. And I mean, 90 plus percent. We have therapists that uh, rarely miss and are close to 100%. You should be striving for that same thing. So if you have you know, a therapist who has seen 10 free screens in the past month and only one of them resulted in a plan of care, there, there's some room for improvement there and something to focus on in terms of creating a process. If you're a um, excellent at conversion and 90% plus, then you likely should be training that, uh, that junior therapist in, in how to do the conversion within the room. So conversion point number one is first contact with the office. Conversion point number two is the presenter if you're doing workshops. Conversion point number three is the PT in the room. Now, for those of you that are driving directly to a free screen or eval in your advertising or you're doing uh, uh, oh, what's that called? Uh, like the coupon, the, the voucher, right? Uh, for like a discounted first session or something like that, you're just skipping the workshop and you're going straight to the, the eval or the, um, the free screen room, right? Uh, but it's the same idea. Realize there's three levels of conversions and they must be firing. So how do you, again, how do you diversify away from relying solely on physician referrals and mitigate the declining physician referrals. Number one, uh, you, you know, you realize that you have to master those latter two buckets, right? And uh, not focus so much on physicians. Second thing that you do, sorry about the uh, fire alarm going off in the background. The second point there was that market message media match and realize that that, that is how to create good advertising that attracts people who are potential patients for you, 
And then the third thing to do is the actual conversion. And that conversion happens on three levels. First conversion point is uh, the immediate contact that that potential patient has with your office. The second one is the presenter if you're doing workshops. The third one is the PT uh, conversion conversation with the, the patient in the room. So they're subscribing uh, and buying into a full plan of care, getting the help they need, getting back to normal without medica unnecessary medications, injections, and surgery. So that's how to think through uh, the declining physician referrals. You know, does this work? Yes, um, we can give lots of stories here. There are a few that are popping to mind, you know, for the last uh, seven years now, I believe at Breakthrough here, we've worked with over a thousand practice owners, helping them uh, migrate their practice from physician dependent, many times nearly 100% physician dependent, over to mastering these latter two uh, direct to consumer uh, marketing strategy and also direct to their past patient list strategies. That is what we're focused on. That's why we exist. Uh, yeah, it's over a thousand practice owners in uh, all 50 states within the US, Canada, and I believe 11 other. Uh, countries as well in terms of uh, physio owners. If you're listening uh, here, not not in the U.S. Um, the other thing that I'll say is, uh, you know, I shared a bit of my personal, our personal private practice story here before, where we declined from uh, 154, 154 physician referrals in a month down to 17 as our monthly average, and uh, along the way, we have. Uh, grown our practice. So we went, uh, we're doing now more than uh, double the visits now um, in that main office. Uh, we've opened five additional locations. We continue to grow at 20% plus year over year. Um, actually here in the beginning, first quarter of 2021, we just, we exceeded our, uh, the monthly run rate that we're, we were hoping to hit by the end of 2021. So, you know, now is the time to build. I believe that, uh, you know, we're not going to have at least from all of the business leaders that I've been listening to, we're not gonna have nearly the slowdown or the shutdown that we had in 2020. Hopefully the worst is behind us there. Not to say we don't have a speed bump this year, but it um, doesn't seem like it's gonna be nearly as much of a dramatic impact uh, you know, as, as we proceed forward here. The key is there are enormous um, private practice opportunities for you to get out there get your message heard. Uh, media is less expensive than it's ever been. Uh, real estate is at a, an all-time low. Again, sorry about the fire truck. Media is, is at an all-time low. The ability to hire clinicians um, is significantly easier now in most areas than what it was uh, 18 months ago. So there's a lot going uh, in your favor. This is very doable. You can figure it out. Uh, there are many people doing it successfully uh, to learn from, but uh, get started, diversify your practice, your, re your referral and new patient streams, and get on the, uh, the path to consistent growth.